No pressure, Peter. Just take it easy, bro. You're doing a great job up there. Uh, my message today is called Daybreak. Daybreak. Uh, if you've come here today and you need a break, you've come to the right place. If you need a break in your circumstances, your callings, your decisions, your finances, you've come to the right place. Because all I find in Genesis to Revelation is God showing up to people off times in the worst circumstances and giving them a day break. And so I just want to encourage you right at the start, God has a daybreak in store for every single one of you here today. For some of you, it will change the direction of your life forever. Some of you are going to make decisions today. Some of you are going to think thoughts today. Some of you are going to make notes today. And some of you are going to make decisions. You're going to make changes. You're going to, you're going to rise up with a, a fresh fire because every single morning in life, the sky reminds us, no matter how dark it's been that night, all of life's great daybreaks and opportunities arise from your darkest hour. So if you're here today and you think, well, that's fine, but my darkness is so dark, it's so dark, let me encourage you right at the start. We'll see this from Scripture. Life's greatest daybreaks and opportunities arise from your darkest hour. We're going to visit we're going to visit one of the greatest daybreak dramas in history in the Bible. One of the greatest daybreak dramas in the whole of the Bible. By the way, you know how long, how do you know how long a preacher's going to talk? You can always tell by how many bottles of water they put out in the morning. So if you count 15 minutes for each one of them, just get yourself a comfy seat, right? But... There's hardly a day goes by now when I don't run into somebody that needs a daybreak. I ran into somebody that needed a, a little break, daybreak just for a little piece of machinery this week. I ran into another person who needs a 20 million pounds daybreak. And if the 20 million pounds doesn't show up in days, their whole operation is finished. No matter what your circumstance, what your size is, God cares about the hair on your head, no matter what size of daybreak you need. He's big enough, he's loving enough, and he cares enough. But I want to talk to some people today who've been waiting on a break. They've been waiting on a daybreak. And like the young man I met with this week, not so young anymore, but a great, great man, 51 years of age now, great, great godly man, looked at me in the eyes with tears and said, do you think it's possible I've given 51 years to a good cause? I've lost my wife. I've lost my children. I've lost my job. I've lost this. I've lost that. And all I've got left in my hands is dust. All I've got left in my hands is dust. And it was wonderful to see him leave with a new daybreak in his eyeballs and in his spirit because even though a daybreak seems overdue for you, You've shed your tears, you've shed your prayers, you've done your fastings, and yet at the end of all that, you, you don't see the daybreak in your kids, you don't see the daybreak in your partner, you don't see the daybreak in their finances, you don't see the daybreak in your business, you don't see the daybreak in your poem, you don't see the daybreak in your calling and your giftings. But in John 23, I think it, we should just take a breather for a moment and take a hats off to Charlie, Paul Turret. Uh, who else was with you, Charlie? David and 
Danny, Danny boy, stand up you four guys. These guys went on a long trip yesterday to raise money for charity, for, for, um, for was it Haiti and compassion and stuff? So if you got any spare dosh, see one of these guys and bless them. Well done, guys. They went on a long, I was going to call it a run, but it wasn't quite a run, Charlie. Right. Okay. In John 20, we're going to see three people that went on a hike. Actually, they went on a run. And the first one, it says, began the run in the dark. So we're beginning this, this um, drama in the dark. We're going to look at three characters. There were 40 yesterday, but there's three today. Three of these who went on a run. And they went on a run in the darkest, darkest, darkest hour of their life. They need a daybreak like you cannot believe it. John 20, it's a great drama. Let's walk through it together. And verse 1, it says, On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw a stone and being rolled away from the tomb, and then she ran away to Simon Peter. She came to the disciple whom Jesus loved and said to him, They have taken away the Lord out the tomb. It's getting worse now. It's getting darker by the minute. And we don't know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple were going to the tomb. So they ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter, and they came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, he looks in the tomb. He looks in the tomb to see if this story is true. And when he looks in the tomb, to his absolute horror, all that's there is some linen cloths. So he didn't even bother to go in. Then Simon Peter came, verse 6, and he followed him, and he went into the tomb, and he saw Instead of what should have been there, his master's body, he saw the cloths lying there. And he even saw the one that had been round his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded by itself in another place. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first this had a little change of mind and went in also, and he saw and believed for as they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. They, they're in the dark even about that. Then the disciples went away home again to their homes. Can you imagine the depth of the darkness and despair and hopelessness that's in them as they're on their way home? Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. Picture her. And as she wept, she stooped down and she looks into the tomb. She looks into the darkest, darkest hole on earth where a master should have been. And when she looks, she gets a surprise of her life. Because where she, her master, she hoped to be, there is two angels. There is two angels. You know, do it's not a fairy tale. It's two angels. <laughs> it's two angels in the graveyard sitting there. One at the head and one at the feet where Jesus' body had lain. Then they says to her, Woman, 
they ask her the most crazy question you could ever ask anybody at a gravesite. Why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Now, when she'd said this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there. You know, we could read this 10 times before we get this. She sees Jesus standing there, but she didn't know, know it was Jesus. And Jesus says to her, for a second time, she gets asked the craziest question in a tomb. Woman, why are you weeping? She still doesn't get it. Why she's been asked this crazy question. Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him. Take him away. And Jesus says to her, Mary. Jesus says to her, Mary. She turned to him and said, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. And Jesus said, don't cling to me just now, for I've not ascended to my father. But go to the brethren and say to them, I'm descending to my father. Mary Magdalene came and she told the disciples what she had seen. That he had spoken these things to her. When he says to her, why are you weeping? She gets nothing. And Jesus knows the way that your mother knows is the only way to get your attention. When I was a little boy, my mom didn't shout at the window, listen, you rascal, listen, Jimmy. And no mothers could do this. She said, your name that's on your birth certificate, James. There could be a million women in the land. You know that voice and you know that name. And when Mary heard her name, she knew then this was her teacher. Something explosive went on inside. Three people ran to the tomb. They ran for Jesus. They ran for themselves. But I want to show us the day where every one of them ran for you and for me. They ran for you and for me because every scripture is God-breathed and it's for you and it's for me. And you want, when we look at this, you will see that yes, they had a common purpose, but every one of them had a different reason for running to the tomb. They had a completely different reason and if we could allow this reason to get us, we'll go home today with a daybreak. So let's look at the first reason. Peter ran with something different from John and different from Mary. Peter ran with fear. You know Peter's character. He was all about fear. It was fear of losing Jesus that caused them to take that sword and cut off the soldier's ear at his arrest. It was fear that caused Peter to sink in the storm. It was fear Fear that caused Peter to deny Christ three times. So when Peter ran to the tomb, he was running for every one of us 
that has fear days. But it goes deeper than that. Peter had another thing going on of called duality of faith. Peter, full of faith, one moment and absolutely sinking the next. One minute, Peter, he's full of promises to Jesus, but the duality in him the next minute, when somebody challenges him on the promises, he breaks them. He ran for you and me. He ran to give you and me hope that made all kinds of promises with the best intentions, and we break them. He ran for you and me. He ran to give us hope. There's hope after duality. Peter, one minute full of bravery, I'm going to do it to the ends of the earth. You know, young people say, and win souls for Jesus. They go their first mission trip, what we call tourist mission trips, for seven days, and you never see them in the mission field again. Not they're bad people or deceiving, but they've just got duality like you, me, and Peter. And Peter was running for your duality and mine. And one minute, Peter was full of up. Yeah, I'm your man. Just call my name. I'm going to walk on that water. And the next minute, he's sinking. Peter ran for himself. He ran full of fear. But he ran to give you and me explosive hope that there's life after inconsistency. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ for Peter running that day. Don't beat yourself up. And then we go to John. And John wasn't running in fear. John was running with something different. John was running full of faith. John was running with a faith because John... It's, it's brilliant in, in this passage where he, he talks about the other disciple. He's kind of boasting, I think, but he's not wanting to say, hey, I'm their man. So he doesn't even mention his name. But John describes himself as the one Jesus loved. So he knows whatever he's getting in here. You know, when you know you're loved, you've got faith. When you know who you are and you're loved, you've got faith. So he's running full of faith. Whatever condition, whatever meets him, he still was the one Jesus loved. But John's ran for himself. When you lose the number one you love in all your life, you're going to run. So he ran for himself, he ran for Jesus, but he ran for you and me. He ran to give massive spiritual hope and faith to you and me. Because there is no greater pain than losing the number one thing you loved. There is no greater pain than losing the thing that gave you your identity. The thing that gave you your identity. The thing that gave you your street cred. The thing that gives you, you, you know, <laughs> the thing that, that gives you that sense, I am somebody. And John's not shy letting us know his credibility, his identity came from he's the one who was loved. But for every one of us in this room, John ran that day. Because each of you have had a moment, you may have had a job, and you were the one. And crash, you lost that whole thing. You maybe had a partner. You walk down the aisle, and you're the business. And boom, it hits the fan. 
You may be the one who's got that amazing ministry. You're, you're helping little children, la, 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 la. And, and somehow the circumstances change and you lose that one. You may have a most beautiful Christian family in the street and you come home one night and the whole thing's destroyed. The thing that gave you your identity, the thing that made you feel amazing. The day you retired and you think, oh, I'm looking forward to retiral. You, I meet men every single week, almost every single week, ladies who, who retired and, 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 and you look them in the eyeballs and they say, oh, I'm still, the first thing they always say is, I'm more busy now. Have you ever met anybody say that? More busy now. Which makes me wonder, were you a lazy so-and-so when you had a job? No, but anyway, that's by the by. I'm more busy now. You know, no, what I mean by that is this, right? What I mean by that is, is that not for everybody, but for some people, they no longer have an identity. They no longer have that position. They no longer have that ministry. Even young people think, oh, when I get that ministry, when I get that thing, when I get that guitar, when I get this, this BMW, when I get this new trainers, I'll have something. So Peter was running for every single one of us that has been in that moment where the thing that made you feel good and the one that made you feel no longer exists. No longer exists. Oh man, it was good. Oh, it was great. Oh, it was wonderful. The marriage, the girl in the bed, and boom, it's gone. And so John is running to give hope to every single person that knows that moment. That moment where they once had it, and it seems like it's all gone. And John ran to let us know there is life after your darkest hour. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ for John. He ran for you and me. He ran for you and me. The one Jesus loved. And here we go. Mary. Oh, yeah. Bottle number one. Only two hours to go, guys. No, bottle number one. Just kidding. So bottle number one, Mary ran with thankfulness. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. If anybody got a daybreak, Magdalene, the one who was full of demons. She was full of terrorists. If you've had any real experience of delivering someone that's possessed by a demon, you know they have a terrorist. A demon is a terrorist. It terrorizes the person night and day. She is a bunch of them. And, and Mary, Mary knows of the day that she was set free. So Mary's not running with fear. She's not running with faith. Yeah, she's running with a broken heart, but Mary's running with thankfulness. She's running with thankfulness. Yeah, she ran for herself. She ran for Jesus, but she ran for you and me. She ran for you and me. Oh man, no one had been delivered around. It seemed like no one more than Mary. And so Mary was running Peter responded one way. John responded another way. But Mary's weeping. Mary's weeping. When you know a level of thankfulness of what Jesus has done for you, when you're reminded of the price he paid, when all seemed lost, when hopelessness, despair, depression squaw in your life like terrorists, like demons, but Mary didn't just run. 
She ran for you and me. She ran to you and me to let us know, no matter how many terrorists surround you, squat in your head, come against you, come against your dreams, come against your plans, no matter how many. Mary shows us exactly what to do in that moment. When the darkness was as dark as it could possibly be, the Bible says Mary kept running in the dark. Mary didn't wait till the darkness was gone. She didn't wait till the job showed up, the million in the bank, and all the things fixed, and everybody's happy, and all the chairs are filled in the church. You know, Brian Houston, great man of God, at 15,000 his conference this week. And you think, when you've got 15,000 chairs filled, you're a happy bunny. His wife asked him a few. Not too long ago, as they were driving in a car, his wife said to him, Brian, uh, do you ever feel overwhelmed sometimes? And it's brilliant. The man's very, very honest. Good man of God. He turned to her and he said, sweetheart, I feel overwhelmed all the time. Wow, there's a beauty. You think you get all that thing and the problems go away. No. And, and so Mary's running. Mary's running. And you see, when, when life robs you of every single ounce of energy and all hope and something's motivation, none in them, nothing will get you back running faster than reminding yourself like Mary did of what she's to give thanks for. Mary ran for you and me to remind us that when the darkness is darker than you can imagine, it doesn't change the fact that one day, one day, Jesus radically set you and I free at the cross of Calvary, let's applaud the Lord Jesus for that. And Mary ran, and Mary ran for you so that we would never, ever, ever forget. We never think because as we study our life, you know, that, that chapter finishes by saying, these things are written so you would believe. And so Mary, Mary, bound up with as many terrorists could be. In the darkest hour, it seems like gone. She fills us with hope and lets us know exactly what to do. Don't give up. Don't look back. Don't turn to the left or right, but keep on running in the dark. I know so many Christians that wait till the the light shows up first. I had a word with the Lord about a couple of things this week, and I says to the Lord, you know this thing about, you know this thing about everyone has a cross to bear? Someone tells me there's more to that. And this is what he said, as clear as anything, not audibly, but he said, that's true. But what you need to tell people is that everyone has a bear to cross. <laughs> everyone has a bear to cross. 
Because every single good decision, plan, or vision you make, whether it be marriage, mission, or money and business, presents itself with a new bear. When God came to his people in the darkest of Egypt, and he's promised them a land of honey and milk, when he promised them that, the penny didn't drop that every single step of the way, the bear was going to raise its head. And if they crossed the bear, conquered the bear, they get to the honey. Every step of the way they were tested. Don't be discouraged when you start a new project, a new mission, a new job, a new Mars, and the bear shows up. David, David, David got the chance. He got one crack at a world title. One crack has to be any young man's dream. One crack at the world title against Goliath. Do you think he sauntered in there because he was the pizza boy? No danger. David conquered every bear that stood in his way. And the devil, he's going to raise, he raises his head. And so when the devil shows up, when that bear shows up, don't you dare doubt yourself. Don't you think, oh, maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe I married the wrong person. Excuse me, you got 10 kids now. It's kind of late. It's kind of late. It's kind of late on the day to play that one. <laughs> when the bear shows up, remember this. You could write it down if you want. Yes, every believer has a cross to bear. But every believer, every new level presents itself with a new bear. Every new decision you make, and make, you have a new bear to cross and conquer. You've heard the old song, the bear. What was it? The bear crossed over the mountain. Well, you've got to get over that mountain and take it out the game. It comes in, in the form of fear to Peter. It came in the form of loneliness to John. It, the bear came in the form of broken heart to Mary as she wept. But every one of them, the Bible says, got up and they ran. I'm going to show you a wee quick clip just now. And, um, you know, the Lord ordained it that some of the safest places in the world were bear-free. He designed the Garden of Eden to be bear-free, but the bear showed up. He designed families to be places where people love one another. But you and I know in marriages all over the place and families, the bear showed up. He designed the womb to be the safest place, never for a split second out of mother's cares, mother's arms, mother's love, mother's um, resources, the safest place in the world. How many people know that Brown, the big bear, loves to show up in the safest places when you're not looking? Because what was ordained as the safest place has become one of the most dangerous places in the world for a child to be a mother's womb. But even in that, there is hope. There is a daybreak after a mother's womb. You know what? Check out this clip. And if you do me a favor, and kill the lights, guys. Thanks. 
make any money having a baby in the oven. We have got to kill this baby. They kicked her in the stomach. They fed her alcohol. They gave her drugs. They took a hanger and stabbed the baby over and over again. But the baby would not die. The baby was born two months premature with no pancreas, a learning disability, a bladder too small, unable to function, a severe stutterer. We call it a trick baby. Nobody wants the baby. No hope, no future. Kill it was the word. That baby was me. I'm the lowest of the low. I come from the guttermost. I come from a hellish condition. And so when I would go to school, I couldn't talk. I stuttered so severely from the trauma. My mother had a madam who hated men. Her name was Dolores, and she was a sadist. And when she would watch me, she would take a broomstick and stick it in a place where no boy should have any object in his body. And when you are tortured like that, you learn four things. Don't talk. Don't trust don't feel and pretend nothing is happening and by age 10 I had had enough I wanted to die and in my school they put me in a boiler room with other kids who were dysfunctional like me where we would finger paint all day long and yet there was a teacher thank God for her who had a Gideon Bible and she came to my school and she saw kids like me as her mission field and she would give me this Gideon Bible and read to me stories of dysfunctional characters who God used. She would say to me, Ronaldo, God uses greatly those who have been wounded very deeply. He will turn your pain into power, your wounds into wisdom. She had me read the story of Moses who was also a stutterer. I began to understand that God did love a trick baby even as low as I was there was hope for me and possibility and when a child begins to understand the love of God and the power of his word and the possibilities it changes everything how can a young man keep his way clean by taking heed according to your word your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee I began to memorize the Bible, that Gideon Bible, reading 2,000 scriptures. And when you put that kind of word in a life, something begins to happen. My stuttering went away. I stopped wetting the bed. I stood tall. I became valedictorian, became a pastor and priest until everybody in my family got saved. Why? Because somebody placed the Gideon Bible in a woman's hand that changed a life forever yes I was born a trick baby but the trick was on the devil come on come on just pretend for one minute you're a black congregation alright and clap again come on brilliant I don't believe in uh, coming back again, but if I discover I'm wrong, I'm going to ask the Lord if I can come back as a black preacher. <laughs> Nobody can touch them. There's a touch on them that is a no one else. Let's give it up for every one of them. What an almost awesome story. What an awesome thing. And we can have the band back up, please, because today 
I want you to look square into the eyes of your bear and sing this song, The Bare Necessities of Life. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. I want you to look in your bear. What's, what's the bear saying to you today? Your family's broken, they're never going to be fixed. You're calling, you're too old now, you're, you're this, 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 that. You've been overlooked. And you know that song, Set a Soul, Set a Fire in My Soul, Girls? Guys, I bet you were choosing another one, eh? Were you? Yes. I blow it every time. You know, it's a bit like bingo. I try to guess the number. Right, okay, if we can sing that, guys, please, all right, in a moment. And uh, the Holy Spirit's to come and reignite your fire. You know, you've been listening to the bear. The bear's been giving you, you know, you know that thing about, I got a head like a bear. You're going to blow that bear out of the water today. Come on, that bear of fear, that bear of doubt. I met a guy once, uh, three, 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 three years ago. I'm telling you, this man, John Hagee, is one of my favorite preachers in America, six million a TV audience. This man was his right-hand man. But he came to me, the most broken man I've seen in many, many years. We sat having coffee in the decor. He told me the story. Everything was going good from Everything's going right. And he has his dream to impact San Antonio, Texas for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he figures the best way to build a dream center. His name's Warren Beamer. Warren Beamer. Check him out. And he comes to me and he, he, he said, I started a dream center. I started a dream center. My wife, I, and the kids, two gorgeous, gorgeous little girls. The dream, he, he started that thing and, um, to reach drug addicts and prostitutes and impact the city. And that was in October. And in January, his wife ran away with a drug addict. You, the bear always tries to attack you in the area of your calling. He, he's trying to reach the drug addicts and the bear shows up. Now his wife and two beautiful little innocent daughters are living with pimps, prostitutes, and drug addicts. And he's in a complete terrible state. A terrible, when we sat for hours in the corner drinking coffee, he's just in a terrible, terrible, terrible state. And two weeks ago, I sat on a pavement at the site of Edinburgh Castle with Warren Beamer his new wife adoring his little children three years down the road the dream center is having such an impact the whole city the whole city 2300 churches have appointed him as the man to impact the city and lead the city in prayer and turn the city around for Jesus Christ how many people know there is life that Peter, John, and Mary gave us after your darkest hour. Let's applaud the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray for Warren Beamer. Warren Beamer, Warren Beamer. Before you stand, before you stand, can I just say one last thing? Can I just say one last thing? I said another little conversation I had with the Lord. You know how many times most of your conversations with the Lord are coming when you're struggling? Well, I was struggling. I was struggling because I'm walking in water. And I said to the Lord, I said to the Lord, you know, I'm struggling. And some of you, your family's struggling. Your business is struggling. Your, your, your job's struggling. Your marriage is struggling. Your mind is struggling. Your finances are struggling. Even your church is struggling. So everything around you seems that's the case. And I said to the Lord, 
And I believe this is for some of you today. I said, Lord, I'm happy with this. Whatever you decide, but you just need to let me know. How many more times do you expect me to get out of the boat and walk in water? How many more times? How many times you ask the Lord things and you wish you'd kept your mouth shut? I looked in the man and I said, why don't you keep your stupid mouth shut, Jimmy? Because the answer is never what you're looking for. This is what I heard. This is what I heard when I said, how many more times i got to get out that boat and walk in the water? Two words he said. What boat? What? What boat? I thought you laid your boat at the cross. I thought everything you lean on and depend on and trust in, you laid at the cross, including your rights. And I was to be the captain of your life. And then he said, you spent your whole life getting out of boats. When I called you, your place was no more the boat. The place you have called you to, and he's called every believer, is the faith lane. The faith lane has no boat. In the faith lane, you live on the water. And in the faith lane, storms surround you. And in the faith lane, you don't know where you're going next, like Abraham. And in the faith lane, you're not even sure what's behind you or who's with you. And in the faith lane, you don't even know what's at the left or the right. And I've tried to avoid that place for 40 years. And he said, there is no other place. People wait. They wait till they get everything in the boat right. When that happens, I'll be on fire for Jesus. When that happens, I'll move from a two up to a 10 for Jesus. When that, little, I get the boat varnished and I get that little chimney, new chimney and cooker in the house. When I get that little thing and the little thing, I'll be a 10. Peter, that day, had nothing. No boat, he was a 10. John, nothing. 10. Mary, boom. Even though Jesus in their mind was dead and didn't exist anymore, even that didn't stop them being a 10 and running with a passion, running with a fire, running with a faith. And I want to encourage you today, don't wait another day till the circumstances are all right. Don't wait till the boat is the boat is. I want to invite you today to step on the faith lane, step on the high sea and face the bears, face the storm and stay in the faith lane because in the faith lane, you are dependent on the living God for your every breath, for your every word and your every sustenance. There's no more scary, but no more thrilling place to be because he promised in 29 13 of Jeremiah you will find me when you search for me with all your heart I've just put a little town hall tweaking that and said you'll find me when you burn your flipping boats (laughs) 
because as long as a bit of your heart's with the boat, you're always going to go back fishing. You're always going to go back fishing. How many people, how many people would be willing to stand in a moment and say, God, I didn't sign up for no. The Bible says, woe to you that are secure in Zion. You are my only security. Forgive me for putting in money, position, calling, marriage, da, 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 da. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've had enough. Every time I fix that boat, that flipping thing sinks. I'm ready to burn the boats. I'm ready to step into the faith lane today. And I'm ready to give you permission to put a fire in me. A fire on me that will run in the dark. Even if nobody runs with me. Even if at the end of that road, I don't know if there's anything in the tomb or not. Because of your promise and your word over my life. I'm going to run like I've never ran in my whole life to love you, Jesus, to be on fire for you and blaze my whole being for you like never, ever before. If that's you, would you be willing just to stand in the Lord's presence with every eye closed? Nobody's embarrassed. With every eye closed and say, Lord, pray this prayer after me, Lord Jesus Christ. Let me realize, Lord Jesus Christ, that boat has led me down so many times. I've leaned on my own strength. I've leaned on my own resources. I've leaned on my own ideas and my, even my own understanding of your word rather than your understanding. Father God, would you forgive me for spending my life getting the boat secure? In this moment, I'm stepping out of the boat. I'm choosing the faith lane. And even in that faith lane, I don't know what's in front, don't know what's behind, don't know what's to the left, don't know what's right. But I'm stepping into the faith lane. Yes, the storms surround me. The bear raising his head at every turn. But you took the bear out of the game at Calvary. And I will never fear, fear, despair, loneliness, ten, uh, uh, um, identity issues ever, ever again. Any bear that comes my way is leaving with a sore head and defeated because I'm going to renounce every principality and power and demon that interferes with the purposes and plans of God in my life. In this moment, oh God, I part my boats at the foot of your cross. And never again will I lean on my own understanding. I'm going to run like Peter. I'm going to run like John. And I'm going to run with the full faith and confidence that you, oh God, yes, we have a daybreak in heaven for everybody to look forward to. But in the meantime, you have set up a stack of daybreaks. Holy Spirit, would you touch every person's life right now, break the power of every bear, and release a Holy Spirit fire calling and daybreak and gift of faith like never before. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up.